have you been watching the roads to freedom by jean paul sartre adaptation no <laughs> the first five episodes and you're talking about five 45 minute episodes that you have to wade through are tough going and you kind <laughs> of pretty hard tack yeah it's it's a bit like a george bernard shaw play where everybody's stroking their chins and um it has french farce elements which finally culminate in episode five when lots of improbable things happen and the next bit the second book of the trilogy is all about the munich crisis okay and uh, and that's done very well because there's quite a lot of tension and there's some very ingenious intercutting between all the different characters and georgia brown doing kurt vile in cabaret oh okay um and that's very good in fact georgia brown is as lola the, the cabaret singer is the best thing in it and she well, just kind of... as we know what lola wants lola gets <laughs> and then you get into the third book where some bizarre things happen and some characters just disappear and you sort of think what happened there Did, have i missed something has the eye player missed something no i presume that they just decided that they didn't need rosemary leach something happened to a character and I was trying to remember whether I actually saw it in 1970 or I saw it in 77, which was its last repeat. And I do just remember Michael Bryant having a shootout with some Nazis in a clock tower and then achieving that final existentialist nirvana. Actually, killing Nazis was the reason why he was alive. Oh, sounds like a lot of angst in your pants. It certainly was. Uh, I had a bit of a run-in with John Paul Sartre in the mid-70s when when Kieran was doing, might have been his O-level or even his A-levels. And so there was loads of books knocking around the house and um, I tried to give nausea a go. Right. How were you feeling afterwards? Um, oh, right. It, I, I should have stuck to known quantities. <laughs> no. Stick with me Hammond Innes or me Wilbur Smith. <laughs> yes, I don't think uh, they need to worry about Jean-Paul Sartre. But we've mentioned Nazis, and we're coming to that. So hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Black and White Television. This is the showcase show, which uh, currently is appearing on Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is deleting earlier episodes, because that's the way they roll. But you can catch up with the whole previous thing on South Station or SoundCloud channel, uh, where we have the archive, and it's also where we'll be doing our review shows of The Saint, the black and white episodes and series of The Saint, which is The Rough Diamonds and The Saint Plays With Fire. And The Saint Plays With Fire deals with an archetypal British and, quite frankly, ITC set of villains. Nazis. I hate those guys, as, as Indiana Jones says. Yes, to be fair, the same doesn't like them either. Um, no truck with that Nazi nonsense. This is only 20 years since, less than 20 years since the end of the Second World War, where the Nazis were obviously soundly beaten and never troubled us again, except obviously with Operation Paperclip and 
with the rat lines and everything else. They were running all over the place, quite often to South America. And the fear was that Nazism would raise its head again. I mean, Oswald Mosley was still around trying mm-hmm. to cause trouble in 50s and early 60s Britain. So it kind of became a recurring theme for British television drama because we're, in general, much more wary of Nazis than the Americans. They were always more worried about commies. Always seems odd that whilst there is the the, the worry about the resurgence of Nazism and the Americans obviously concerning themselves with the... uh, communist aspect coming to the forefront there never seemed to be much alarm as regards the possible rising again of um japan as uh, as a threat never seemed to be viewed as oh we better keep an eye on the japanese because they may they may be reorganizing and and rebuilding but that never seemed to be a a legitimate aspect it never seemed to be an avenue which was which was explored no I suppose the real East Asian bogeyman, for want of a better word, particularly in British television, but mainly in American uh, TV, was communist China. Mm, Red China, as it used to be billed. (laughs) And of course, we're all friends with China now. Ah, they're they're big mates. Welcome them round. So, plus ça change, the rise of right-wing organizations or old right-wing organizations because when i was typing up the show notes for this i kept typing the phrase ex-nazi yeah i'm not entirely sure that you can have one of those it's uh guys like an ex-alcoholic you're always an alcoholic uh it's a terrible compulsive curse and the idea is that uh even though you may not be drinking there is that worry that you were an alcoholic and you still you still are, just that you're going through perhaps a process of managing it. Uh, so to say you you, you know you're an ex-Nazi, uh, I suppose that the only equivalent would be uh, in the eighties with uh, my beautiful laundrette, where Daniel Day Lewis's character is a former National Front um, or certainly Combat Eighteen kind of renter thug. Uh, but he's he's changed the error of his ways. He's realised that. Oh, blimey. What was I thinking? Yes, there are explorations of the right. I mean, I haven't checked the plays for today for that because I've kind of stuck mainly to the genre adventure series. Obviously, some of them I will have missed, but the blindingly obvious one for me would be the Mauritius Penny, which is a Kathy Gale episode of The Avengers, where Richard Vernon, otherwise known as Slighty Bartfast, turns out to be the man behind a series of attempted fascist coups right across Europe. Nothing can stop us now. I wouldn't be too sure of that, Lord Natalie. You didn't really think you could take over this country with a few fanatics in fancy dress, did you? We intend to provide this country with the strong leadership it needs. You may call that fanaticism. For me, it is political inevitability. I seem to have heard that somewhat before. The new rule owes nothing to what has gone before. The basis of our movement is the return to the traditions that have made this country great. My only regret is that two such capable people as yourselves should be in opposition to me. 
you think that actually it's going to be Alfred Burke, who was a dab hand at playing Nazis, just look mm-hmm. at Enemy at the it's Door. Fred, yeah, where he plays the Nazi. Is he a friendly Nazi or is the SS guy? He's he's sort of a friendly Nazi, but obviously he gets duped by Danny LaRue. Uh, by believing that what a buxom like what a buxom frau line so obviously if you're covering wartime stuff the nazis will uh, emerge as the prime villains so what we're looking at are series that deal with the resurgence of nazism or nazis who are either on the run or who still think the war is going on oh, i don't i hate these guys already they sound terrible uh, I suppose in, in big feature films at the time, that was an um, examination. Adam Hall book, uh, The Quillam Memorandum, that has uh, the the potential rise of Nazism in, in 1960s modern-day Ber- or contemporary Berlin. Um, and George Siegel investigating what's great. Uh, for those of you who may have seen The Quillam Memorandum, if you've got it on DVD, there's like some DVD extras, and one of them uh, features interviews with the cast and, you know, talking about filming on location, filming uh, what's it like working with Harold Pinter, because Harold Pinter did the script. Uh, and one of the uh, interviews by by a guy with a magnificent comb over is talking to Alec Guinness and asks Alec Guinness, uh, what do you think may be uh, done about the potential rise of Nazism in 1960s Europe? And you think, well... Don't know whether Sir Alex may have a policy in his back pocket <laughs> regarding that, uh, but he handles it very diplomatically and very sensitively. Uh, good, because as we know, Alec Guinness deals with futuristic Nazis, yes, in yeah, Star Wars, as well as the communist threat in Tinker mm. Taylor Soldier Spy. Mm. I think I'm right in saying that John Le Carre's novel Small Town in Germany. Uh, deals with the potential rise of... Looks at that uh, rising um, in the book. Is it by H.H. H. Kirsch? Hirsch? Um, Night of the Generals deals with the uh, same kind of thing. So there's actually um, a murder during, or a series of murders during World War um, Two in the film, World War II. Uh, but uh, evil General Tans, played by Peter O'Toole, uh, is still up to his Nazi tricks. Um, in the 1960s. Yes, and I think it's finally they produce... Tom Courtney. Omar Sharif is the cop investigating the case. Yes, that's feature films. As I said, in uh, The Avengers addresses uh, that possibility in the Mauritius Penny, and also in A Sense of History, where Patrick Moore is up to no good. Mm. You see, we are going to manoeuvre the course of history here and now in this very room. With your death, Mr. Carlion, we shall create a small economic snowball. We shall then guide it downhill, charting its progress, watching its growth, and changing with it the entire economic face of Europe. Oh, do it! Do it now! You shall have your immortality, Mr. Carlion. You shall have your rightful place in history. Um, at a university, no less. Well, um, do you think the Americans may have been more at ease with it? Because obviously at the time they were producing things like Hogan's Heroes. I was going to mention Hogan's Heroes. Mainly, there's 168 episodes of that. <laughs> and I remember quite fondly, because it was quite amusing, the um, prisoners of war always came out in top. There were quite a few catchphrases. I hear nothing. 
and the Germans were, in general, buffoons. Apparently, I hadn't realised this until I started researching it, it was based on the Billy Wilder film. Oh, Stalag 17. Stalag 17, or inspired it. Obviously, much in the same way as the Secret Army inspired our lower low. Yeah, oh, wow. In fact, inspired is the wrong word. Supplied the exact template. <laughs> yes, nearly everything about Secret Army crops up in Alalo. And actually, I think Alalo is the more successful series. There you go. Oh, crikey, that's a, that's a big thing to say. Yes. Well, yeah, I guess we, you know, you mentioned before about Mosley still being around. Uh, and in America, you would have had uh, George, is it George Rockwell? far right and leader of the american nazi party and is played by marlon brando in roots the next generation the idea of it still being a a really resurgent force and sort of have to look at uh, i suppose how the how the right has has moved in that direction ever since then yes in america it is still a major factor in their politics i would say mm. um Returning to the Avengers, uh, also the new Avengers pilot, the main MacGuffin is that there is a treasure from Nazi Germany. Is that a train of gold in a tunnel? No, people oh. think it might be, but it turns out to be Hitler in an icebox. Oh, right. Okay. I believe in this country, Guy, we call them fridges. <laughs> he was in cryo suspension or something you never actually see him you just see patrick mcnee opening the lid and raising an eyebrow Ooh, right. and then there's, pulling there's the plug a 1960s i think these films it called the frozen dead which has nazis on ice that sounds like a terrible musical stage <laughs> show, doesn't it? <laughs> uh we're just getting ready to defrost these nazis but i, I can't remember uh, there's various shenanigans it's probably like amicus or something like that. Milton Sabotsky rings a bell. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. So it's a popular theme. Obviously, if we're sticking to uh, feature films, the producers is an, something else that deals with the um, shock. And actually, if you delve into Mel Brooks's script, the names that he uses, um, there's some very dark stuff. I think there's some names... Uh, surnames that are based on horrendous massacres uh, and things like that. So it's it's actually very dark uh, if you care to look beneath the surface. You care to delve. Yeah. Anyway, returning to largely ITC series. Nazis. Um, surprisingly, the saint doesn't deal with Nazis very often. I mean, it's pretty clear that he doesn't like them in The Saint Plays with Fire. But there's also Locate and Destroy, which is in Series 5. And if anyone who's listening to this currently has also been catching the Colour Saints on ITV4, they will have caught uh, Locate and Destroy, where Simon Templar disrupts an attempt to kidnap a seemingly genial businessman somewhere in South America and then discovers that this apparently benign presence of John Barry, a.k.a. Sergeant Cork, turns out to be a monstrous war criminal. And Francesca Annis is the daughter of the local doctor and she gets kidnapped. And there's all sorts of shenanigans going on. And there's a mine. And it might even be the same kind of mine that 
in Plague in of the, the Zombies? Well, it, it could be, or it could be the same mine that in the Champions is where Nazis are still carrying on the war. Oh, they are. They're up, they're up to their no goodness, aren't they? Yeah, both inside and out. And um, But I'll return to the Champions. Another big one to think about, which, which sort of has that direct link to World War II, um, even though it's a bit shorter than, than a lot of other ITC series, um, is the Zoo Gang. Yes, actually. Yeah, I sh- all four of them acted as members of um, the Marquis, La Résistance, uh, during WWII. And, and indeed, the first episode is them reuniting um, to track down a Nazi war criminal played by Walter Gotel. Uh, and it's it's quite interesting to just think, well, of all the places for Walter Gotel to operate in, why does he go back to the south of France uh, where he lived the high life as a Nazi general. Seems foolish. But the rest of the episodes don't have that sort of like Nazi hangover, Nazi influence as such. They're dealing with more modern day uh, criminals, but drawing down on a lot of the skills that they picked up uh, during the conflict. Yes, it's the MacGuffin that brings the gang back together, mm. isn't it? Mm. Yes, I'd forgotten about the zoo gang. And of course, thanks to you, I was reacquainted with it. My only reservation is who might have co-written the theme tune. It's Paul McCartney and Wings. Oh, what it's mm. a real jazzy version as well. It's a jazzy theme tune. Um, yes, that's not necessarily his You're not finest convinced, work, are you? You're not convinced. No, no. But before that, through the 60s, I mean, obviously there were plenty of wartime-themed shows from Moonstrike, which was about resistance in occupied Europe, and uh, to, of course, Colditz, where yes. all those yeah. public school types were banged up in a castle. And, um, and Colditz was one of those odd things which which had quite a few spin-offs to it because you were able to buy, uh, which is still qu- worth quite a pretty penny if you've got one of the originals, which was um, the Escape from Colditz board game, as endorsed by Major Pat Reed. Uh, then you, with Action Man, you could also get Escape from Colditz um, set, uh, which comprised British uniform, Nazi uniform, and, and uh, like a security um, sentry box. Um, and then you also had available um, the glider, which the the um, prisoners uh, built. It was never practically used, but they were designing a glider to launch from the top of the towers. Yes, that yeah, there was would've... a load load of spin-offs. Uh, you know, it, you just think it's a very strange TV series to warrant uh, so many spin-offs. But hey, they they were there. I can't remember if they did any other stuff about prisoner of war camps. I mean, obviously on the big screen, the Great Escape, yeah, uh, and and the Wooden Horse, and as we've mentioned before, Stalag Luft Three at Sargon was actually the training ground for many an actor mm. that's appeared in the 60s and we will have, be having a look at that later on in our series um elsewhere the baron steve forest series one episode 18 a memory of evil don't like the way this is going nikki holtz sets out from germany to london with important information for mannering but she is abducted before she can meet up with him Mannering and Cordelia learn that her captors are members of a neo-Nazi organisation who are selling off art treasures 
in order to fund their attempts to gain dominance in Europe, a discovery which leads the Baron into a dangerous climbing adventure. Right, okay. Uh, is there is there a need for a lot of climbing in that episode? Quite possibly. I suspect, having watched episodes of the Baron, that they may not have gone on location. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Even to Snowden. Did they um, do that Batman I'll... thing of just walking um, and they film it sideways? Uh, but they've got a piece of rope to pull pull themselves up. I haven't watched that episode, but I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if that was uh, a very similar thing. Man in a Suitcase, Series 1, Episode 19, called Somebody Loses, Somebody Wins, question mark. British agent Ruth Klinger apparently defects to the East Germans who set her a loyalty test involving her old flame, McGill, who's in Germany to track down the missing Johann Liedkind. Johann is, in fact, part of a neo-Nazi revivalist group, the discovery of which places McGill in a dangerous situation, presumably not to do with climbing. But at the same time, he's faced with a dilemma. How can he escape and save Ruth with him without blowing her cover? Oh, answers on a postcard, please. It's always a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. Having to extricate the woman that you're uh, involved with at the same time achieving the end which you've been assigned didn't work for richard burton in uh, spy who came in from the cold oh no downer alert now i'm including when we talk about nazis there's there's obviously the neo-nazis neo-fascist groups who their core belief is racism basically so in episode of the strange report there is a racist organization which is inevitably up to no good. There's the Nazi war criminal who gets his comeuppance in Callan, um, once again played by Joseph First. Who we will come to later. <laughs> in the review show of the mm. same plays with fire. It carried on into the early 70s, The Protectors, Series 1, Episode 7. The Quick Brown Fox is about stopping funding for five fugitive Nazis. And in Episode 26, A Case for the Right, we're in Italy, where a prince is plotting a fascist coup. Do you want to guess who the Italian prince is? Oh, let's have a look. What, oh, what are we looking at? And uh, oh, uh, who do I feel like saying? Who's, oh, I know. You're going to have to tell me. Duran Duran. Not Simon Le Bon. Who is the band named after? Oh, Milo O'Shea. I'll go for that. Yes. Milo, yeah, see, that threw me. That threw me, the the idea of um, an Irish actor um, playing a noble uh, Italian prince. That, that sort of threw me, that did. Yes, a rather ignoble Italian yes. prince, as it turned out. Yeah, so I think it's it's always been there. I mean, even into, I know it's slightly out of our um, wheelhouse, uh, but um, in the 1980s, I think the early 80s, there was a very odd... Um, BBC thriller called Badger by Owlight. And I've no idea what that title means, by the way. And Dave, I think you're pulling my leg. I'm not. I'm not. Andrew Kerr is in it, uh, amongst others. And it is about an investigation of what appears to be a cult up in Scotland, but they've got Nazi links. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so it's probably to do with locks and submarines, which brings us... <laughs> To the series most obsessed with Nazis, even more than submarines. 
and sometimes they combine them. The champions. In episode seven, the survivors, as we've mentioned, has a bunch of Germans trapped in a blown-up mine thinking the war is still on. And there were twin brothers, played by the same actor, one of whom was in the Nazi party, and one who was in the Honourable Wehrmacht. Oh, um, right, yes. Oh, what a big family split. Yes. Now, apparently, the Honourable Wehrmacht, and I put that in quotes, because modern-day historians have to say, you know what? There's not much to choose between <laughs> them when it comes to what they got up to. He is the local mayor, and I think there's meant to be some gold, or maybe it's an arms cache. I'm not quite sure, but it's at the bottom of a lake, and some divers have gone missing, and the champions are sent to try and suss this out. Alexandra Bastido, uh, Sharon McCready, winds up in the mine chatting to the Wehrmacht guy. And it turns out that he's the Wehrmacht guy and it's his SS brother who blew up the entrance to the mine is pretending to be him and is mayor of the local town. Oh, that's so involved. Yes. And um, there are many explosions in tunnels that appear to be made of plaster of Paris. <laughs> Lots of running around. Dust coming down from the ceiling and pit props that look very dodgy. The Champions then moves on to episode 14. At Holy Lock in Scotland, a team of Nazi frogmen infiltrate a nuclear submarine, combining the two's, the show's two favourite devices, overpowering its crew. And then their demand is simple once they're taken to sea. Unless £5 million... Pounds that sounds like a bargain nowadays. Um, given the, the cost of living crisis we have at the moment and the rate of inflation, that's nothing. That's a drop in the ocean. Value for money for a ransom against nuclear devices pointed at London, which are set to go off, destroying the city. To activate the devices, a nuclear physicist is required. And when Dr. Mueller goes missing, it seems likely that he's been kidnapped for that purpose. The champions managed to locate him and, posing as his associates, board the submarine with him. Alas, he too is a Nazi sympathiser and part of the plan and gives the champions away. Needless to say, the champions come out on top because they have special powers. And they know how to handle a submarine from on-the-job experience. Because there are at least three submarines uh, in 30 episodes of The Champions. That's 10% of the series. That does seem a very high number. Yes, it does. But they did have the set. And Yes, I guess so. If, if, if it's there, use it. Well, as you know from our time at Chinichita, looking through the periscope, it's yes. very tempting. <laughs> And I, I, I must admit the the submarines that they, they are they do use in the champion seemed incredibly roomy. Um, having been on board a Russian nuclear submarine, and I'm sorry I can't talk about why, it was uh, I found it incredibly cramped. One of the features I did like was a a small bunk bed uh, where the two guards who would be guarding like the mechanism, the device to launch, they had like a top bunk bottom bunk, and then a cupboard underneath, which just held machine guns. It's the sort of thing that you definitely need if you're guarding thermonuclear devices. It's it's a lovely uh, internal design touch, worthy of Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen at his best. <laughs> then there's the mission, which is episode 18 of The Champions, an ex-Nazi 
question mark plastic <laughs> surgeon is using his skills to help criminals escape then there's possibly episode 24 which is project zero i i can't really remember who the bad guys are in that just say um, they're nazis they could have been uh they could have been totalitarian agents up to no good but definitely the final countdown episode 28 that's a race against time to stop an ex-Nazi, quotes, general, finding an old atom bomb that crashed in a German plane in a lake, I think, and uh, detonating it for reasons that only he can explain. I, I think you're right. From these descriptions that you've you've given us, it's once a Nazi, always a Nazi. They don't seem to be able to turn their back on their badness, do they? They don't say, you know what, I've... I've kind of like read a lot of history books and I've spoken to those with a lived experience and I've realised the error of my ways. I'm going to try and put something back into the community and, and work for the force of good. Uh, but no, uh, you know, ex-Nazis, they're still Nazis. In spite of being able to send Americans to the moon. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that idea of, of um, you mentioned before, Operation Paperclip and the reusing of uh, Nazis, you know, for uh, maybe for the force of good, um, still going on and resonated um, up until like the X-Files. Of course, once the Cold War broke out mm -hmm. and it became very clear who the new enemy was and that you wanted a West Germany, then you were going to have to, uh, as historians point out, have to put certain people in charge who had experience. And these people were basically laundered. There's a very good speech by Patrick McGowan in Ice Station Zebra when he, he fills in a lot of exposition, but he does it very well. The Russians put our camera made by our German scientists and your film made by your German scientists into their satellite made by their German scientists and up, up it went, round and round, whizzing over the United States of America seven times a day. Photographing missile bases. Within 48 hours, they had all the pin-up pictures they'd ever dreamed of at every missile base on the North American continent. And this idea of uh, almost like picking five-a-side teams just with a load of Nazi scientists lined up and just go, right, I'll have you. Right, you, fatty, you're on my side. Of course, that, that crops up in Men in Tweed, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, the idea of, of Nazis being uh, being recycled. Or is it upcycling? Is that, is that, I suppose, like a modern version of it? Yes, well, in, in 1940s Britain, where he was just one fun call away yes. from Nuremberg. That's the ITC stuff. We've mentioned their surrogates before, and the Daleks represent Nazis. Yes, uh, the idea of that it was always viewed that they were they were Nazis, and I think there was a huge degree of satisfaction uh, in the successfully revived BBC franchise of Doctor Who, where there was a cutaway uh, when Daleks were invading uh, Germany, modern day Germany, um, and speaking in German, and it was just like finally, finally, the the image that we always thought. Uh, that it was based on, we've finally seen it. There's also, again, in the modern incarnation of Doctor Who, there's the Let's Kill Hitler plot, which is, I think it's River's song, isn't it, who mm. wants to go back and try. And it turns out that there are some things you just can't change. That's one of the problems with time travel. Oh, it's such a nose. So there we have a new set of villains. The last set of villains that we covered were gangsters and the mob. It's unfortunately never 
done and dusted. I mean, yesterday has moved away from being a Nazi channel, though they obviously have things like impossible Nazi buildings. Nazi megastructures. I think we know somebody who is in Nazi megastructures. Quite possibly. Charles Charlie Charles, I think, was was an episode of um, Nazi megastructures. Uh, I remember he taught, I went for a drink with him one time, he filled me in. As, as regarding the real person that he was playing. Did he play it with a beard in his U-boat commander's leather coat? Uh, uh, no, no. This was, he was able to to dust off the uniform and use that. I was thinking of the out tune. Hello, hello theme. Yeah, rather than perhaps tomorrow belongs to me. <laughs> Although, uh, but World War II, just for sheer excitement, you could always play Garrison's Gorillas. <laughs> oh God, I've forgotten about them. There's just so much to choose from. You've been listening to the showcase episode with our latest bunch of bad guys, the Nazis, being discussed by me, Guy Morgan, and David Newell on the showcase edition of Rose Tinted Black and White Television. And, of course, you can catch the episode that inspired this, which is the black and white episode of The Saint, The Saint Plays With Fire, when Dave and I review that and the rough diamonds on our review show which is on the sound stage north soundcloud channel and uh, you can find that and the entire archive so you can catch up on all the in jokes and people that we mention who aren't imaginary they really do exist absolutely i'll be the same I'll be in store.